You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. First of all, thank you, Pastor Treber, for the opportunity of being able to uh, kind of prep the, the table for what I think is one of the most important as well. Um, the conference is coming up for North Valley Baptist Church here in just a few days. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you look like an intelligent group tonight. Would uh, be multitasked if we can. And also put your finger in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Familiar chapter to us as well. Romans chapter 10 and 2 Corinthians and chapter 8. In your Bibles please. And if you found your place there, say I'm there. And let's stand if we can in reverence to God's Word, would you please, if you're able. And uh, I'd like to read with you uh, aloud as you look along silently to the first five verses of 2 Corinthians and chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. With your fingers there and don't lose your places, let's go over to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter 10, and let's begin with a familiar verse, verse number 13. Verse number 13, Romans 10 and verse number 13. And there the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Remain standing for prayer and then be seated if you will please. Thank you Lord for this evening's service, midweek service. And Lord we uh, all look forward to this time of of Wednesday, a midweek service to pick us up, as it were, and to bring us on into the Lord's day, Lord willing. We pray, Lord, that uh, tonight you'd speak to us. Lord, we need to hear from you. And every time your book, the Bible, is opened, you do speak. I just pray that we'll have ears tonight to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to the church here at North Valley Baptist Church. As we focus in tonight upon uh, the matter of of missions and world evangelism and all that it entails to get the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. I pray that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit to be the messenger that I want to be and desire to be, to be a blessing tonight. Please help me, give me liberty and filling of your spirit of power. And then Lord, I pray tonight for those of us who hear the word of God that we would again, not be hearers of the word only, but doers of it. As pastor reminded us the other night, that song, uh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Would you do something marvelous and good and great in our hearts tonight? May you be pleased at the decision time at the altar this evening that godly decisions will be made for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing and may be seated. Let me tell you a story about a couple that were celebrating like we did, celebrating here a few, uh, few days, actually a year ago. But uh, it was a few days, I think, like that. We were celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. And this older couple was uh, just celebrating and kind of sitting, relaxing in their, their living room. And uh, the dear wife was a little bit hard of hearing. Some of those of you that have lost hearing like I have maybe can uh, relate a little bit like this. And he just kind of leaned over to his wife in the evening of celebration of their 50th wedding anniversary and, and said these words. He said, uh, honey, uh, after 50 years of marriage, you're tested and true. And he looked, she looked at him and said, what did you say? 
He said, after 50 years of marriage, you're tested and true. She said, what? I said, after 50 years of marriage, you're tested and true. She said, yeah, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes when it comes to mission conferences that are coming up in a few days and listening to what God wants us to do in regards to the Great Commission, we don't always hear the way we ought to hear. And uh, I, I, I trust that uh, maybe God will give us a good hearing again tonight as we kind of prepare the table for what is going to take place, as I said, in just a, a few days. Dr. Tom Malone, one of the streets out here, is named after Doc, Dr. Tom Malone, pastored Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pontiac, Michigan, and uh, founded and was president of uh, Bible College there, Midwestern Baptist College. And uh, now with the Lord, but uh, perhaps you'd be interested as uh, he came to the end of his ministry just before the Lord took him home. He was sharing some of his heart as a pastor and being a, a, a spiritual leader for, for many, many years. For those of us uh, who know the Lord and uh, knew of him and his influence, he said, you know, after all of this year, years of past pastoring, I wished I would have done it differently, referring to mission conferences, referring to times that we're preparing ourselves with. He said, I wished I would have done it differently. It seems like we, we have treated mission conferences kind of like we treat uh, Christmas uh, time and decorations times. You know, we, uh, Christmas rolling around and we get the uh, Christmas decorations out, the tree, decorate the tree, the house, all that kind of thing. And then when Christmas is over, we kind of put the Christmas decorations away and say, well, that's it for next year. He says, that's the kind of the way we have done in our church, and I regret that. He says, if I had to do it all over again and repeat my ministry, Tom Malone said, I would make missions conference 365 days a year. I'd make it uh, 52 weeks out of the year. I'd do it making it missions, the mission of the church. You see, missions conferences are more than a travel log. Uh, just being able to go through these various uh, countries that missionaries come and, re and refer and, and tell us about. It's, it's more than watching CDs of, of the missionaries that come and say, well, that was a nice CD, and, and be inspired by that for a little, by, a little while. It's all about figuring out how we as a church and collectively as the people of God in, around the world who name the name of Jesus Christ can collectively work together to reach our generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, going, the three words are in every missions conference. Going, uh, all of us can go. All of us are missionaries. Every heart with Christ is a missionary. Every heart without Christ is a mission field. When we go through these doors tonight, we are entering the mission field. And so uh, going is part of that. Secondly, we saw last week praying. Praying is a very important priority. And then, of course, giving as well. Uh, we saw last week the importance or the basis if you will, of world events. Why do we do this kind of thing? Why do we believe that it is our responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Because Jesus said so. Because it's in the Bible. We went through several doctrines of 1 Timothy chapter 2 as to what the Bible says about carrying out the great commission of world evangelism. And then we mentioned just lastly at that message last, uh, last Wednesday night, about the priority of praying, holding the ropes for these missionaries and doing our part. And I hope that uh, even this week there's been maybe a change for many of us of just seriously uh, taking a missionary that we're supporting and, and uh, praying individually, praying collectively as a family about these missionaries and holding the ropes definitely and specifically for each one of them. Uh, we have two texts tonight, two texts tonight that we saw, and I want you to draw your attention first of all over and will you go back to Romans chapter 10 with me? Romans chapter 10 is a familiar passage of scripture. Of course, those of us that do a little soul winning and leading a person to Christ often will use Romans chapter 10 at some point in leading a person to Christ. And after uh, perhaps going through the Romans road of some of the earlier verses, we eventually come to Romans 10 13. How I thank God for Romans 10 13. For as a pastor's kid, I, I saved at four and a half years of age, there was a time and period up to about 11 years of age where I was just struggling over the assurance of salvation. My dad helped me, my mom and dad helped me a lot with this wonderful verse, one of several verses that he shared, John 1:12. but uh, this verse right here, for whosoever, 
shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I thank God for that simple verse. It, my dad said, whosoever, could you put your name in there, Dave? And I said, yes, I could. And, and if Dave would call upon the name of the Lord, uh, they just explained to me, we went over the plan of salvation, that I was a sinner separated from God because of my sin. And there was a penalty for my sin, that I would be eternally separated from God because my sin could not allow God, a holy God, to come into heaven. And, and the fact that Jesus Christ paid that penalty and offered me the gift of the fact that he died on the cross and he shed his blood and he was buried. And the third day he rose again. He's a living Savior. Well, do you believe that, David? I said, yes, I do believe that. He said, well, then what does the Bible say? For Dave, you just put your name in there. If Dave Smith will call upon the name of the Lord, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would God lie? No, he wouldn't lie. Then you have the promise of God to anchor that faith and promise and assurance. That was a blessing to me as far as assurance of salvation. However, tonight when we're thinking about missions conference, I want you to look at that word again. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As we look and noted last week, there's a universal plan of salvation. And I'm thankful tonight that whosoever means whatever color your skin is. Means whatever country you may come from. It means whatever ethnicity you may have tonight or around the world. It means no matter what your religion is, no matter where you come from or where you are, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's a good message for a missions conference and preparing our That's what our, our evangelism is all about. We believe that God has given to us in this generation the responsibility and the commandment to make sure nobody leaves this earth without hearing a simple plan of salvation for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then following that verse, verse 13, you notice that it comes to a series of how questions. A series of questions that begin with the word how. Notice verse number 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? It's impossible it's a rhetorical question. You can't call on someone in this context. You can't call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior unless you've believed on Him. And then it says, secondly, and how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How in the world is somebody on the other side of the world or right here in America ever going to be able to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved if they've never heard how to do that? And then it goes on and again, and it says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Uh, that, that is our responsibility, to go into all the world and preach, to, to foretell, to cry out, uh, to, to peel out the very simple plan of salvation. They need a preacher. God has ordained and called us as men and women, young people, whoever names the name of Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel, they need to have a preacher. And then lastly, it says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? How shall they preach except they be, be, be sent. Sending is the process whereby you and I collectively understand that God has established the local church, just like North Valley Baptist Church, to be the sending agency. And through a conference like is coming up, we desire to determine all of ourselves individually, what can I do to participate and do what I need to do that we may collectively reach a dying world for them with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we realize tonight that as, uh, as we are responsible to reach our Jerusalems and our Judeas and Samarias and uttermost part of there, we realize that not everybody's going to go to the uttermost part of the world. But there will be those even next, uh, in the next few days that will be coming in through these doors called foreign missionaries doing the same thing that we're doing here, but God has called them to a different place, and it takes money in order to get them to that place. We are that sending agency, so it's not only involving that of going and uh, giving out tracts and reaching people in our own sphere of influence. It also not only includes praying uh, the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest field, but it also includes giving that we might be able to send those who are going to a different place that they may be able to get to that place and we need to give to do that. I love the story of the black preacher that was candidating for his church. We had a church in Gethsemane, it's about, it was half black, 
And uh, we always, always had a group of black fellows that were down in the front from Emmanuel Baptist Rescue Mission. And they would really get with it when I was preaching. I love black churches. If you've never been in a black church, they kind of talk back to you, that kind of thing. And uh, this black preacher was in that kind of environment. He was, he was, again, candidating to be the next pastor of that black church. And he said, folks, if you'll vote for me as the next candidate of this church, this church is going to walk. And all the black congregation responded in, in, in excitement about that. Amen, preacher, let her walk, let her walk. He says, and furthermore, if you vote for me to be the next preacher of this church, this church is going to run. Amen, preacher, let her run, let her run, they said. He says, and I want to tell you tonight, if you vote for me as the next candidate of this church, this church is going to fly. Amen, preacher, let her fly, let her fly. And he says, furthermore, it's going to take money to let that church fly. Amen, preacher. Let her walk. Let her walk. <laughs> you know, sometimes, to be honest with you, sometimes outside of circles of churches, even sometimes in circles, you can preach the Word of God, but when you come to the topic of giving, again, missions conferences, we are to go, and we'll say amen to that. We ought to be soul winners. We ought to be going. And when we say praying, yes, we need to pray more. We'll be agreement to that. When it comes to giving, when it comes to the vision of money and sending people and raising the funds to get missionaries to go to the places that we're not going, sometimes we say, let her walk, let her walk. May God help us tonight to realize that money is a part of that. I want to just spend a few moments with you tonight. Wednesday night should be uh, sometimes a, a teaching time as well as a preaching time perhaps. And let me do just a little bit of teaching and review because I'm looking at a lot of intelligent people tonight that probably know this. But let me just punch the focus button for us tonight quickly about the Bible mentioning and teaches that there are three kinds of giving. Did you know that? The Bible teaches that there are three different kinds of giving. The first kind of giving tonight is the giving that I think most of us know about and have heard about. And that is, number one, everybody ought to tithe. Now, you'd help me to feel a little more comfortable tonight as a guest at North Valley Baptist Church. You smile a little bit and uh, make me feel like you're at home. Everybody ought to tithe. Could you say that with me? One, two, three. Everybody ought to tithe. Everybody ought to tithe. The reason for that, the Bible says in Luke chap uh, Leviticus chapter 27, it says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is holy. In other words, uh, uh, the tithe is not really even giving. It's, the Bible just simply says the tithe is holy. The tithe belongs to the Lord. In fact, is in Genesis 28, the Bible says in, uh, that uh, Jacob was saying, of all that you give me, Lord, I will give a tenth to you. So a tenth of tithing uh, means that uh, if uh, we have money coming in, one-tenth of that, 10% of that, it belongs to God. That's what God said. And he said, 90%, you and I get to keep. 90% goes, that's a good deal. Again, if you'd smile a little bit while I'm talking about this, it would help me, encourage me uh, uh, just a little bit. But that is a great deal. In other words, 10% uh, uh, goes to the Lord and 90% I can keep. That's the tithe belongs. Everybody ought to tithe. I love the story about the two fellows, maybe you heard about them, that were uh, out in a, uh, a yacht and, and uh, something happened where the yacht sank. And uh, these two guys swam uh, to, for, to survive from that. They swam to a deserted island. And there they were, these two fellows on a deserted island. And uh, one fellow was very happy and up, upbeat and positive about the whole thing. But the other guy was discouraged. He was uh, depressed. And he says, I don't know what we're going to do out here. He says, what do you mean? He says, we're going to die. Nobody knows we're out here. Nobody's uh, looking for us. Nobody's going to find us out here. We're going to die out here. He says, relax, Bell. He says, I give $500 a week at our church. And he says, our pastor will find me. <laughs> I just said, simply saying, whether that's true or not, I'm just simply saying this, everybody ought to tithe. Everybody ought to tithe. That's the first kind of giving. Uh, you know, uh, it's a, the Bible says over in Malachi chapter 3, that will a man rob God? But you have robbed God. How have we robbed God, they said, in tithes and offerings, tithes and offerings. Our church in, in Gethsemane was an inner city church and and uh, I never knew the giving record of anybody, but uh, the, the, those in charge of the finances would say, those of a tithing record, uh, we uh, said, preacher, we have about 40%, 40% of our people 
that, uh, that tithe, that give 10% of, of their gross income. Uh, you say, well, you should feel good about it. I, I did feel good about it because comparatively speaking to churches across America, that is a pretty good percentage, 40% of a congregation. I don't know what it is here at, at North Valley Baptist Church, but it's not greatly uh, beyond that. It, it may be beyond that, but it's not greatly beyond that. You say, well, then we ought to be happy about that. Well, how can you be happy if Malachi chapter 3 is in the Bible? Because that means you have maybe uh, 60%, 50% of people that are robbing God, a bunch of robbers. Uh, uh, the Bible says every man ought to tithe. Everybody ought to tithe. So I hope you're listening tonight that this is a given. The Bible says, and by the way, the tithe was before the law, it was during the law, and it was after the law. So don't give me this uh, baloney that uh, says, well, we're no longer under the law, so we don't tithe there. No, the Bible still teaches, I don't remember any verse in the Bible that says we ought to stop tithing. It's in the Bible. Everybody ought to tithe. Number two, number two, everybody ought to sacrifice. Would you say that? One, two, three. Everybody ought to sacrifice. The first kind of giving is the first giving of tithes. The second kind of giving is giving by sacrifice. Uh, sometimes preachers love this passage, but I think of Exodus chapter 35 and 36 in your Bibles. You don't need to turn there because of time right now. But in Exodus 35, 36, Moses is being uh, spoken to by the Lord and says, uh, says Moses, God said, I'm going to have a tabernacle. I want to build a, a tabernacle. And uh, we're going to need some building supplies. And here's the directions. Here's all the plans. And uh, this is this is what uh, needs to be doing. We're going to, I want you to take an offering. And if you read th Exodus uh, 35, 36, you'll find out these almost words are repetitious as they occur in the Bible. It says, and those whose hearts stirred them, those uh, uh, who were willing, those who are willing, a free will offering from where we get that phrase, free will offering. Uh, there was no commandment. Moses just said, if your heart is stirred, the Bible says then the women gave uh, jewelry, they gave necklaces, they gave uh, various things that they had. Uh, they gave uh, materials. Men brought in lumber and brought in various things that were done. You just read that. In fact, is the exciting thing is get to chapter 36, and Moses said something that rarely ever happens in a Baptist church, and that is stop giving. We have more than enough. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful if we didn't have to have an offering in a, ser a service along those lines? But what they were doing, folks, is they were giving sacrificially. It wasn't the tithe. It, it, was, it was something that was given sacrificially. We have here at North Valley Baptist Church, I've only been here a few weeks, but I've learned very quickly that we have the master of alliteration. A master of alliteration. His name is Dr. Bircham. I said, Dr. Bircham, do we have any experience here at North Valley Baptist Church, not only of everybody being able to tithe, but do we have any experience here of, of, of a sacrificial offering? Has there ever made mention from the pulpit here or in the congregation uh, of the folks at North Valley Baptist Church being able to give sacrificially, kind of like they did in Exodus 35 and, and 36? He said, oh, yes. And I, I wrote down a, a few of them. He said, first of all, uh, let me find it here. Uh, he said, uh, first of all, they, they can give to buildings, the building fund. And then he said they can give to the bus ministry, bus ministry. Then he uh, told me they could give to the bricks endeavor, the brick endeavor. And then Dr. Bertram said they could give to the bucket ministry. I said, amazing, they're all starting with bees. He said, yes, I just, they just happened that way. He said, sometimes we can give to the blacktop project and then to the batches of glue up on the ceiling that need to uh, do that. And he said, and if you need a few more, we can do a love offering for the Bircham love offering. <laughs> so uh, everybody, number one, everybody ought to tithe. Number two, everybody ought to sacrifice. And number three, everybody ought to give by grace. And that's what 2 Corinthians 8 is. So if your Bibles are in 2 Corinthians 8, let's go back there real quickly. 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, everybody ought to give by grace. And I will explain that in, in just a minute. You see, missions giving. Uh, when, I say, when I say grace, everybody ought to give by grace, I say that because you see the word grace in 2 Corinthians 8 here over and over again. It's definitely a, a grace offering that Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians and chapter 8. But uh, I want to say quickly that missions giving, faith promise giving, 
uh, grace giving, whatever you choose to call it, uh, is all about what we're about to be challenged with in the next few days. And that's what this is all about, 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. May I say to you that missions giving is not something of a gimmick. Uh, it, it is something, uh, it's not something that is a trick offering to gather more money for something that is really outside of the Word of God. It is definitely very biblical. On your offering envelopes at North Valley Baptist Church, you have several categories. And I want you to notice that category one is tithe. Everybody ought to tithe. And then you have Gideon's 300 and other things, school, bus, sacrificial offerings that you give. You have those opportunities. Everybody ought to tithe. Everybody ought to give by sacrifice. Everybody ought to give to missions. And uh, uh, so this is definitely a, a, a biblical thing that we are seeing here. But I want you to know as you look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that's the reason that this is in the Bible. Because it happened this way. Those of you the Bible students, bear with me, but there are some that probably don't understand this. Paul was a missionary evangelist. In other words, he was not a missionary uh, by, by quote that went to some place and just stayed there and stayed there and stayed there. We have a lot of stationaries, uh, missionaries, uh, that go to a place and they just stay there. Paul was a church planter that was an evangelist missionary church planter that went to a place. He led people to Christ. He, he baptized them. He discipled them. He trained them. And then he turned that church over to the nationals and he went on to another place. He got to lead them to Christ. He baptized them. He discipled them. He turned that over, went to another city. And that's how they turned the world upside down. We need less stationaries and we need more missionary evangelists that are church planters. But bear this in mind, Paul went to the city of Corinth. Second Corinthians, uh, Corinthians chapter 8, he's speaking to the church that he once pastored. I think he was uh, there in Ephesus as he was speaking to the Corinthians. The, th the truth is, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, listen carefully. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is uh, uh, two chapters of failed missionary giving. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is a, a two chapters of failed missionary giving. Missionary giving, Th that is... Paul was so disappointed because the Corinthian church gave a, uh, had a wonderful missions conference per se, perhaps, hypothetically, and they said, this is what we're going to do. In fact, it's right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They promised that they would give uh, to the uh, missions in this grace giving, but they did not come through. They did not come through. They disappointed Paul. I'm sure that Paul in his, his discipling taught them that everybody ought to tithe. I'm sure he did that. I'm sure he, he taught these new Christ, Christians, converts out of Corinth, that everybody ought to give by sacrifice. And I also believe that he taught them that they, everybody ought to give to missions. Everybody ought to give by grace. Everybody ought to give by faith promise. Whatever you want to call it, it's this category. Everybody has different churches and pastors have different names for it, but it's all the same thing that's called, talked about here of the third way of giving, and that is giving to world evangelism. All right, And so having disappointed the pastor Paul, Paul holds up the Macedonians. The Macedonians. Are we all familiar of who the Macedonians were? People like the Philippians. Philippians. You read the book of Philippians and you'll see, but my God, Paul said, shall supply all your need. Why? Because they were so faithful in giving to that third part of missions. Of missions. Of, of, of grace giving. Faith promise. Whatever, again, you want to call that. Of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was another place that was a church of the churches of Macedonia. Uh, the Bereans that studied the Word of God daily to see if those things were so. Those are all the Macedonians. And so when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'll be quick along this line, so stay with me. He says in verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit or to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he's holding up to the, his past church, the church of Corinth, because of their failed giving in that third area where they did not come through. He says, let me hold up the Macedonian churches to you and show you how they gave and how they uh, did first things first. And so I want you to notice verse number five. It says, and this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves. You see the priority there? 
they first gave themselves. So I want you to go down to verse number two, and let's look quickly at what Paul says about these Macedonians, how they gave in this third area of giving, and may it help us tonight, challenge us tonight, as we face in these few days coming ahead, how we might be able to be able to uh, uh, imitate, to emulate, to utilize them as an example, because this is given in the Word of God that you and I might be obedient and blessed to give in this third area as we give in the other two areas. I want you to notice, first of all, as you look at verse number two, that how in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. There are two things that are mentioned there in verse number two that these Macedonians went through that Paul talks about. He says, these folks had a priority in their giving. When it came to missions giving, they had a priority. So Paul holds up the Macedonians, and he says, notice this now, verse number two, he said, first of all, they went through some great affliction. I have no idea what the affliction was. But I know one thing is for sure, as we're all here tonight, none of us get up in the morning and say, dear Lord, in our prayer time, please afflict me today. Because affliction is not a good thing. Affliction is probably a negative thing. It could be uh, affliction that has an, an, an application to, to health. Maybe a doctor says, you know what, we've, we've, we've examined, diagnosed, and you've got a terminal illness. Great affliction. I would consider that. You know, as you think about these things, I have no idea what's going to happen in the next year because this really is an opportunity for you to commit in this third area of giving. It's an opportunity for all of North Valley Baptist Church to commit to missions, to world evangelism as to what kind of impact you want to make globally on world evangelism. And the Bible says that these folks in Macedonia went through some great affliction. The thing that I see here is it resulted in their, and abounded in their liberality. It didn't stop them. In other words, uh, we find many times, and it could be in this next year, I have no idea what's going to come into your life or into my life. We don't know what's going to happen, but afflictions do come to Christians. Afflictions of whatever might, a loss of job, uh, uh, some sickness, some illness, some disruption in the family. We don't know what it is, but the Macedonians went through great affliction and it caused the Paul, caused the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to say, in all of the afflictions, great afflictions that they went, they kept on keeping on. Amen. And number two, they were in deep poverty, same verse. Deep poverty. Now, some of us can say, you know, things are, are a little tight. And, and things are, 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 are not going uh, economically for our family uh, and the blessings of, of money and that sort of thing, extras are not there. But again, Paul holds up not only their great affliction, but he holds up their deep poverty, not just poverty, deep poverty. But the whole point there, as you see in verse two, you can't get away with it, they did not stop. They had the priority of saying this third way of giving, not just tithing, not just sacrificing, not taking away from the tithe because this has nothing to do with the tithe. Everybody ought to tithe. That belongs to the Lord. And everybody ought to give by sacrifice and give up something in order to do something else. That's right. But the Bible says these Macedonians did not only stop in these areas, they abounded in liberality regardless what was coming to them and through them. And Paul holds them up and says, they did not stop. Now let me show you something real quickly of what takes place and transpires in many churches across America. When the economy reverses, when things go rough for an individual or a church or a family, and the giving goes down, dipsy do. What is the first thing that usually goes out of our giving? Yep. Uh, it, the first thing that goes out, let's cut missions. Yep. That's what individuals say, let's cut missions. Let's cut the missions, but let's write the missionaries and tell them, hey, money's not really coming in like it used to. We'll let you know when things get better and that sort of thing. No, Paul holds up the Macedonian and said they had their priorities right in despite all of the afflictions, despite all of the deep poverty that they were going through, they said, we're going to tithe. We are going to give by sacrifice. We are going to be liberal in giving to world missions. May God help us along that line. But then he goes on to the next verse and he says, not only their pattern, their priorities, but he says their procedure. Look at verse number, uh, number three. For to their power, I bear record, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. The Bible says there, and we're working now on that third area of giving, not tithes, not sacrifice, but we're talking about giving to missions. 
The Macedonians are held up in the word of God, and it is said of the Macedonians that they gave according, or they gave to their power. Uh, could I just translate that for, for you? As you go into a missions conference, it's very typical and very common and normal and natural and nothing wrong with it to look at your budget, to see what's coming in, what's going out, how much we can afford, and this is what we think we'll be able to do for the Lord this year according to our power. This is what we can do. That's how most the average people in, at the average church think when it comes to giving in this third way of giving. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, they, the Macedonians gave to their power. It's there in the word of God. You can't wrestle that down. But don't go to sleep now because there's a little contraction there that says but. But they gave beyond their power. They gave beyond their power. That's where this word faith promise comes in. That's where this word uh, uh, grace giving, that's where the uh, missions giving is talking about this is where God kicks in. You see, you and I can check our checkbook and our budget and all that sort of thing and, and figure out what we might be able to give and that doesn't hurt us. We won't, miss a, we won't miss whatever we're giving. We can just go on normally. But when you give beyond your power, when you give beyond your power, that's where God gets involved and does something by what we call the word faith. By faith. That's where this word faith promise. Because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. We have to have faith. Uh, uh, we need that, that the exercise of faith. And so uh, these folks got the Lord involved. Now let me just quickly define what is, uh, what is missions giving. Missions giving is not the tithe. Missions giving is not the sacrifice. Missions giving, well, listen carefully, missions giving is money that God will give to you from whatever unexpected sources or other sources that you can't count and you can't see. Because faith is, faith is something you can't see. Huh? Faith is something you can't see. When, when God gets involved, you, uh, and it's by faith, you're not going to be able to add two and two or get a formula and make it all work out. It's going to be something that's unexpected. So this kind of money is when God gets and they give beyond their power, it's money that God gives to us that he can trust us, that we're not going to get another car with that money, or that we're not going to get uh, uh, new clothes with that money. We're going to use that money and reserve that money. God can trust us Amen. to be able to give that, get that money and know that we'll transfer it to that missions account. It's not going to come unless God can trust us. You say, God in heaven is not broke, but he wants us to be a blessing. He wants us to be a conduit. He wants you to be a conduit. He wants you to trust him. You say, is this Bible? Absolutely. We just had a Bible study a couple Wednesday nights ago about the little lad and his fishes and loaves, few loaves, trying to feed about 15,000 people. Do you remember that? And said, uh, we don't have Burger King around here, no McDonald's, Nathaniel said. What are we going to do? Uh, uh, we don't have enough money to even collect, even if there was some place to go get the food to feed these people. That little boy, that little lad says, we have a lad here. And that lad here gave of his loaves and his fishes and it was sufficient. Did that boy know that that loaf, those little loaves and little sardines were going to be able to feed a multitude of 15,000? Absolutely not. But it was where God kicked in. God says, you just give me what you have. I'll take care of the rest. I'll multiply. That is not only giving according to your power. That's giving beyond your power. You can go to 1 Kings chapter 17. You'll find that Elijah, Elijah and the widow woman, same principle there. God got involved and did something that was inexplicable, but he gave and he supplied because they were faithful to give by faith. Where they get. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in this procedure this week as to what, begin thinking, what are you going to give? Are you going to give according to your power or are you going to give beyond your power? And let me just challenge you here real quickly. I jotted down some things. Consider this year. Consider this year what you might be able to do. The average spent on Wi-Fi, internet here in this building tonight. What, what do you spend uh, for internet, uh, Wi-Fi in your house a month? Uh, I would say $50. Is $50 pretty fair? Uh, seemingly, uh, that's, that's a reasonable amount. $50 a month. I, I, I thought of something else that we have. Uh, this little guy right here uh, that we can't seem to do without, and I can't get out of my pocket, a cell phone. So what, what do you pay for cell phone, Verizon, or whatever you have, T-Mobile? What, what do you pay a month for that? Is $100 fair? 
Uh, you can't live without a cell phone. I've got to have a cell phone. So 100 bucks a month that we have for a cell phone. Um, I put down uh, uh, something else here I thought would help us just to kind of uh, cable TV. Oh, man, we've got to have cable TV. And many of us, uh, you know, I, I've got to have all these channels and, and NFL, uh, all that stuff. You know, I've got to have all these things. What, 100 bucks again? Maybe 100 bucks a month for most of us that we're, we're putting out monthly? I think so. Uh, and then uh, I came across this one, pets. Uh, dogs, cats, you know, uh, all you pet, uh, cat and dog lovers. In, 2000, in 2020, last year, 2020, the average American spent $111 a month on veterinary fees, shots, uh, food, and uh, all this, $111 a month. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm getting to this, that when it comes to giving according to your power or giving beyond your power, and you're beginning to think of a figure of what you might give, think of this with me. The average, ent the entry level of a missionary coming to North Valley Baptist Church is $100 support a month. Some of us are spending Wi-Fi money, internet, pets, cable, all of these things, and those are the levels that we're doing. If you could spend that same amount of money on something that maybe have a little bit more eternal values, a little more eternal values, then you could support one missionary all by yourself, and you don't even have to share that with anybody else. You say, by the grace of God, this year, we're going to, and some of you could support two missionaries, or three missionaries, or four missionaries. It's all because uh, we're willing to only think about our own power and not the power of God. My time is just about up, so let me hasten on to mention that their uh, first priorities in their pattern. First priorities in their priorities, their priorities in their procedure, but let me mention their pattern that is given to us in verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. That's the pattern. We sing at many times, uh, invitation times, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. And many times we sing these songs without thinking what we're saying. But when we surrender, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for young people. He, everybody can do something. He's looking for young people. He's looking for families. He's looking for Christians who are willing to give their heart in earnest to not only the tithe, not only to giving by sacrifice, but giving that God might be able to use you to get people to get to the uttermost part of the earth that this generation might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1885, I think my brother-in-law was about the only one here in this building tonight that was alive then. But uh, 1885 in England, John Shuck stood and uh, sat in a, in a service just like this. And it was a, a, a missions conference that was going on. The pastor uh, uh, just distributed little sheets of paper as to what the people might want to promise God to give to missions in that, uh, that given year. As it came, that little paper came to John Shuck. John Shuck uh, was, was riddled by the fact that there was nothing that he had uh, that he thought he could give that night. And he wrote on a piece of paper these words. And when, when they collected them and, and they began to count that and, and assemble that, 1885, they were doing this. Uh, they came to John Shuck's little paper without his, without his name on it. However, it said this. I, John Shuck, give God John Shuck. Oh, by the way, John Shuck ended up becoming a missionary to China. John Shuck, this, God is not interested in a wallet. He's interested in our heart. Six inches below the collarbone, a little bit to the left. He's interested in the heart of every single one of us. Does God have not our, just a heart for the tithe, not just for sacrificial giving, but does he have a heart for giving to world missions, giving to world missions? I look at verse number eight quickly. He says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwards of others to prove the sincerity of your love. This is not a command uh, giving. Tithing is a command. The tithe is holy. The tithe is, is something that belongs to God. But when it comes to what we're talking about here, the third means of giving, it's not a commandment. That's what it says here in your Bible. I speak not by way of commandment. But he says to prove the sincerity of your love. You can sing like a lark from this pulpit or in the choir or playing 
or serving wherever you serve in this church. But if you're not giving to world missions, God says you can sing, oh, how I love Jesus, but I want to see you prove the sincerity of your love. This third way of giving is proving the genuineness and sincerity of our love. You say, I love Jesus tonight. Then God says, prove it. And let's see the giving that shows up in this third area of giving. He says in verse number nine, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. You know the story, that Jesus Christ came down from the eternities of heaven and all that he had in heaven, and he came and became poor, that you and I might be made rich who were poor. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Could I ask you a question tonight? How poor are you willing to become in order that that person on the other side of this world might get the gospel of Jesus Christ? It involves the third way of giving. I want to close tonight by just sharing something with you because there's one more word that I just want to, there's much more that I could say, but let me just look at verse 10. Would you look at verse 10? And herein, Paul says, I give my advice, for this is expedient for you. This is expedient for you. Listen, Paul says, listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to teach you about the third way, the third way of giving. Tithe, everybody ought to tithe. Everybody ought to give by sacrifice. But he says, if you get involved in this, this is expedient for you. Preacher, I know you believe this with all your heart, that God blesses the church that keeps missions the mission of the church. That's why he says this is one of my favorite conferences of the year. Because it's so important. It punches the focus button about what we are all about. What North Valley Baptist Church is all about. I come from Gethsemane Baptist Church where I pastored 15 years. Gethsemane Baptist Church is a little bit north of First Baptist Church where John Wilkerson was there for many years. He was in the, uh, right down there south of us about six or seven miles. We were in the heart of uh, right next to Compton, right next to Watts, that sort of thing. Uh, we were an inner city church. And uh, uh, describing, we had about three, three blocks of property. God blessed us with that. We had uh, white brick walls going around the property. But in an inner city where the Crips and the Bloods and all these people, gangs hail, we had to have what was called a graffiti crew. Because we would paint our, our, our bricks white, but the, group, the, the, uh, the uh, Bloods, Crips, and various gangs would come in and put their little uh, territorial uh, signatures with their spray cans every single day, every single day. Cars being swiped, all that sort of thing. And let me just say this quickly. Probably uh, you would note Gethsemane Baptist Church as a blue-collar church. We had very few uh, that were what would, we would call uh, uh, white-collar uh, professional people, just blue-collar church. One day, the uh, financial secretary came into my office and said, Preacher, I wanted to let you know about this. I said, what's that? She handed me a check, and she didn't hand me a check. She told me about a check that was given anonymously in our church, an inner-city church, blue-collar workers, $50,000. And she said it's given, specified, that would be given to world evangelization. I'd gotten checks for gifts of $10,000 and, and, and $15,000, but never $50,000. And I got alone with God and said, God, I don't want to mess this up. Because, uh, you know, being a steward, we've got, to, we've got to get this right. It was just the time when that tsunami was uh, hitting uh, down there in Burma, Miramar, in that area, and it had uh, devastated that area. A lot of the Burmese people, the Miramar people, were going up as refugees up in, into Thailand. And it was about that time that I connected with uh, Dr. Charles Keene, and he suggested that we try to find the copyright to Adoniram Judson's translation, because in Burma, Miramar today, in that, uh, that country, uh, they, they had no Bibles. In fact, is if a congregation had one Bible, they took that Bible that was tattered, torn, pages missing, and they traded. They just went from family to family during the course of, of months of just so that they could have a Bible during that week. He said, why don't we try to resurrect that? And we did. We went through a lot of trouble, but we finally resurrected that copyright and used that $50,000 to print Bibles in, in the Burmese Miramar language. And then we got men 
they got men that would, at that time Miramar was a dictatorship communist run, and uh, to get those Bibles not only into refugee camps, but especially into, uh, into container loads to get into Miramar, they had to be placed in carts. And in those carts, they'd be, hide the Bibles under straw and some other things that we'll not mention here, but just to, just to get these people. And they put their lives on the line to get that in. We heard that when people got those Bibles, they embraced and hugged those Bibles. They wept, uh, thanking God for it. And here's, here's what we heard. We heard that there was, a, there was a, 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 a flame, a wind of revival, a flame or wind of revival that was going through Miramar at that time. I don't know about you, but you know, that sent goosebumps over because this is just an inner city church with, with, with poor folks, dedicated godly folks. But God uh, was saying, this is expedient for you. Jill and I were, were, were uh, driving the Voices of Praise uh, Golden State uh, Ensemble, uh, and Jen and uh, Russ and, and uh, Kristen were there, and we went to Kalispell, Montana, just up there by the Canadian border, and we were up there, they were having a missions conference, and uh, uh, we, we went through the service, and th this uh, was, was an unbelievable thing. After the service, this little, this little Asian guy comes running up to me. And he said, Pastor, 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 you're the man, you're the man. He didn't say you're the man, but he said, you're the man, you're the man. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you are, you are the church, you are the man that sent us all those Bibles to Miramar, to Bible, to my country. He says, I was one of those men that had the cart that smuggled those Bibles into Miramar. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you could use an inner city church to make a, a dent on a country like Miramar, Bur Burma, after all of these years, because we had a, a, a people that had a heart for missions. I share this with you tonight only to say this is expedient not only for you as individuals to get involved in this third means of, of giving, but to challenge you tonight to do say, pray, begin to pray tonight. God, in the next few days, help me to do something that is not just according to my power, but beyond my power, to the glory of God. God says this is expedient for you. Young people in the college, whoever you are, uh, boys and girls, men and women, families, let's do something for the glory of God as we approach this coming missions conference. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.